When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in on Texas football. I've got uh, Ian Boyd here with me, the X's and O's uh, expert for uh, InsideTexas.com, your source for Longhorn football and recruiting news. Uh, Ian, I want to get into an article that you wrote earlier this week talking about uh, not only the defensive front and the pieces uh, that Pete Kwiatkowski has to work with this year, but also how they interplay with certain specific roles at the cornerback and nickel level, and then even into the to deeper into the secondary uh, at safety, and of course the linebackers. Uh, I just want to get right to it. You mentioned something last week that I, I want to repeat for folks because this is important, uh, and it's about the dearth, relative dearth, of experience and talent at the edge positions for Texas right now. Literally, there is no one on the edge other than Ovia Gufu who has significant um, uh, a significant experience coming back on the edge. Jet Bush maybe could be considered that, but he's switching positions. Um, and so you mentioned this last week. If you were to take all of the defensive linemen for the University of Texas and jumble them up and just make a roster draw. And I talked with Paul Wadlington about this too. You would, your first four or five picks would be interior defensive linemen before you even got to an exterior guy and a Jack or a buck uh, type defensive end. Is that, you still contend that as of right now, Uh, not knowing really how everybody's participating or playing in spring practice, especially the young guys like Baron Sorrell and uh, Justice Finkley. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, disregarding Mathis, if Mathis were to come to Texas, he would show up before you got to five. He would show up ahead of some of those interior guys. Um, Yeah, without knowing how much of a leap Sorrell or Agofu have made, top five I think would would definitely be Ojimo, Coburn, Murphy, Collins, Sweat. Was that five? Yeah. Um, which just you want to you want to play your best players. That's the same reason that they're moving Jedi Baron around and looking him at looking at him at nickel. They want to get their best eleven guys on the field this year. Last year, I don't even know exactly who the best eleven were last year. I don't know if they knew they were shuffling everybody in and out. But they need an identity. They need something to. They need starting points to build out next year's defense. And uh, right now, that would not put them in a two four five. Yeah, and that's the the two four five is really the two outside guys are actually they're like hybrids. They could go down or, or go like up. Five. Yeah, it's a four two five as much as it is a two four five. If you have the right personnel uh, to run it, um, you know. And they've talked about, and this is something we broached last week when we discussed it about a true three man front, uh, utilizing more, uh, probably getting more out of those four first four or five guys out of the gate uh, than relying on more true defensive ends. Have, have you heard anything more of, of that? Do you see them 
um, pushing to that at all? Or is that still just a big question mark as we're going through spring and, and in, even into fall? Well, we did hear that they were, uh, um, the jack and the buck are looking more and more alike right now, is what we heard. To me, that suggests that they are moving to a three down and then there's only one edge on the field at a time with the other end being like a four eye or a five and being played by uh, potentially, I, I wonder if Moro Ojimbo moves back there. He lost weight, it might be incidental or it might not. He's listed at 279 now. He played at like 288 or something last year. Um, Collins can play there. Collins was pretty good at it last year. Um, or Collins can play three technique, obviously, is what, what a lot of people would like to see. Uh, I think probably Broughton and probably one of those freshmen might be able to play out there too. Dre Bledsoe could play that position if that's the job. Um, so yeah, he's really young though. Counting on him to play it at that at that age is is really uh, that would be luck. I think if he you just don't catch lightning in a bottle that quickly usually. Yeah, or Christopher Ross maybe. We'll we'll see. We'll see. You know they have a lot of incoming bodies that are big that could potentially fit there. Um, if you only have to fill out a two deep. If you only need two edges to fill out a two deep, that's a lot different than needing four edges to fill out a two deep. So it would make sense if they were to uh, simplify to the three down this year. Got it. Um, I've, I've been able to glean in talking to some uh, folks that have been at practice and not only with Joe Cook, but with some guys that uh, go on a daily basis or whenever Texas has access, uh, has, uh, has uh, practices. Um, I've gleaned a few things in the last week or so, and I want to uh, push this off on you and see, get your feedback, really. Um, number one, uh, I mentioned in the, an article today, I'm hearing Jade Barron is maybe the team's best nickel and maybe the team's best overall corner at this point, meaning he's better than, than both Ryan Watts, the newcomer from Ohio State, or at least performing better at this point, and a returning three-year starter in Deshaun Jameson. Now, Barron has the talent to do that. We know that. We've We've seen it in limited, uh, limited snaps, but that would be a big, a big thing to consider. And I want to get your take on that a little bit. The second is that uh, I was told this week that Tavondre Sweat uh, looks like he's in a contract year and trying to play like he is. Um, and so if that's the case, what does that mean for a potential three-man front or does that give Texas more flexibility if Sweat actually, who may be as talented as anybody but Alfred Collins on the defensive front, um, if he comes into his own and what could that mean to the defense? But finally, and I got to add this, um, one of those same sources told me that Texas is still having major issues getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, not surprising when we're sitting here talking about issues on the edge, right? Um, but that means the interior guys aren't getting there either. And so taking all of those factors in, Ian, anything strike you first about the defensive front and then second about what that means with Jade Barron? Well, Sweat, Sweat played nose last year. He played three technic last year. Um, I wonder if he could play outside as a four I or a five. If he's the best three technique, they could, everyone would love this, but they could move Collins. They could keep Collins outside and have him move back and forth if he's, if that's the best three. I think they, 
they have so many pieces where they could build a really good three down front in terms of stopping the run. Um, Alabama, when they, by the time they got to the championship game, they played a three down last year where they would have uh, DJ Dale at nose, uh, I think Fidarian Mathis and, and uh, uh, maybe Christian Barmore. Uh, Barmore maybe was a pretty good pass rusher, but none of them were amazing pass rushers. They really got their pass rush from their one edge, which is Will Anderson or from blitzing. And uh, I think that's a totally, that works perfectly well. If you have a really good edge and you have a three down, you can eventually work your way to pressure if you stop the run. Um, because you can, uh, especially if, you're, if your edge can drop into coverage, you can either bring him off the edge stunt him around from different angles, or you can drop him and bring blitzes with your linebackers or your, your nickel or your safety or whatever that they don't see coming. So really what you're saying is if Sweat is taking that next step and becoming more consistent, not just a, a, a flash player like he's been, uh, uh, or at least how he was last year, I felt, yeah. um, that basically tells you even it's more likely that they might look at more three-man fronts uh, largely uh, than this four, two, five, or two, four, five uh, front, because that's just another guy that's on the interior that, that, that gives them more versatility. And that needs to be on the field, right? If you, I mean, Murphy needs to be on the field as much as you can get him. Coburn is a pretty good player. And if he slims down and is more consistent with his effort, that's a very good player. Ditto sweat. Obviously Collins is just a light switch away from being one of the best players on the team or the conference because of his talent level. Morojimo was probably better last year than people realized. You just have too many guys there. You're not going to find enough snaps to maximize that room in a, in a four, two, two, four front. Cause you can only play two of them at a time. So, uh, and sweat is actually a pretty good pass rusher as well. He's been said to be, he's been said before to be the best pass rusher of uh, the defensive line room. Um, it's probably might see that a lot more if he's coming in at, you know, 310, 320, rather than 340, 350. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, they have, they have too many good inside guys. They need to structure the defense in a way that that is a positive and not a liability, which three down front is the way to do that. Um, you need an, you still need an edge on the field. I don't think they want to do the three, two, six deal that uh, Todd Orlando did, but um, the, the three three five, I think, is is a good is a good fit there, and then that yeah. also in the three three five. Well, go ahead and say what you're going to say. The whole Baron and Overshone discussion is a whole other topic. So, yeah, yeah. I, let's stick on the the front because yeah, I, I, the next piece for me as it relates to that, I, I understand that, but where does the pass rush come from if those guys aren't it? Because if they don't have that edge right now. Um, and from the reports I'm getting from practice, they're not creating a big pass rush at this point. So either it's A, not on campus, or B, Ovia, B, Ovia Gofu hasn't necessarily made that jump, and C, it sure sounds like they need Oshan Mathis. So it's almost like there's a constellation of issues there, and I'm not sure, I mean, does Oshan Mathis alone help answer that question if they go to a more traditional three-man front or does that push them back to more using like a four-two-five or two-four-five, whatever you want to call it? No, I think he's, has to be the solution. Um, 
if you think back to 2020, Chris Ash, his four down front was Ojimo, um, Coburn, and Graham, right? Um, and it was they played a lot of under, which is kind of what um, uh, Texas's three down defense last year was a lot of times. So what we're talking about is not that far from what Cruz Ash played in 2020. And uh, the 2020 Texas defense, they probably weren't amazing as pass rushers, but they did okay because they could blitz and because they had Joseph Osai on the edge. And Osai had so much motor and, and athleticism that a yeah, quarterback, it w- weren't too many games where quarterbacks could just sit back there comfortably all day. Um, so I think, you know, you got to get Mathis to that point. And then you got to hope that Sorrel and Ogofu or Dorba or uh, one of the incoming freshmen can give you something. And they can, we should note on a, on a third down or second and 10 or something, you can sub in your passing down package um, and you can put more pass rushers on the field and, and get away with a lot more. So it's, it's more of a, um, you know, if the team drops back and throws play action on first and 10, is the quarterback going to have eight seconds to throw, five seconds to throw, then you're in trouble. You can manufacture pressure on passing downs with blitzes and bringing in smaller bodies, but they have to be able to get to the quarterback on first and 10. They have to be able to not let him sit back there comfortably. So I, th- I think it's, it's Mathis. It has to, Mathis has to be a big part of the solution there. And they do need one of the other edge players to uh, get a lot better there. I don't know. You know, you worry from the reports if that guy is on campus right now. Um, that's a pretty legitimate concern. But if they do get Mathis, that is a big piece of the puzzle, at least. All right. Moving on to uh, the Jade Barron conversation, right? And how this defensive front then uh, uh, pushes, I guess is the right word, or reflects upon what Texas does on the back end if Jade Barron is one of those guys and say he wins, I think people believe that he's going to win the the nickel role at this point. Right. I think that seems most logical. Would you agree with that? Yeah. One thing about the three down is that if you, if you're playing a three down and you have one good edge to say Mathis hypothetically, and then three guys that are maybe decent at pushing the pocket, but they're not going to get to the quarterback in any real hurry then you invariably become a more of a blitzing team. And the easier, the better your coverage is on the slot, the more options you have in the blitz package. If you have a guy out there that can't cover man-to-man, just the fewer fewer man-to-man defenders you have on the field, the more obvious your blitzes become. Because the defense starts to spread you out and they say, well, that guy's not going to blitz because if he does, our best receiver is running on a linebacker or slow safety or something so if 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 you go three down then uh and you have to blitz to get pressure from the three down then you necessarily need a good man cover guy in the nickel which enter jedi baron and you think baron is probably a better cover guy than anthony cook who played the position last year right from what we've seen i mean yeah anthony cook they didn't they didn't ask that much of him in coverage last year. I don't know if that was his liability or the issues they had at linebacker and elsewhere, but uh, he has yet to do much at nickel at Texas that would suggest that he's, you know, 
uh, Elijah Molden or uh, uh, Quandre Diggs or someone like that. We, ha we haven't seen that at all. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, and I think that I agree with you, first of all. I, I feel like the thing that Anthony Cook did so well is he defeated the blocker at the point of attack on those outside uh, passes in the flat. That's really what he did very well a year ago. Yeah, yes. He had a couple of those that were good. He had some in the, against the run that were really bad, though. I don't know what that was about. But, like, it, you flip the role, it should be the same. You're just beating a block from a – I think he was more inconsistent there than we, than we maybe noticed live. Um, there's a reason that he didn't play in the back half and they had a go through out there, which was that they needed more run stopping there. So if you, if you put, if, if the front group is primarily those three of five plus an edge guy like, um, like O'Shawn Mathis, so that gives you four, then you're playing with two linebackers. Um, ostensibly that would be right now, Jalen Ford and DeMarvian Overshone. Um, what do you do with Ovia Gufu in that, that scenario? I think he becomes a role player. He plays, maybe he plays Sam when you're in a three, four, like he did last year. Maybe he's in the uh, third down package as a stand up guy around the box, blitzing or dropping. He could still find a role that would be useful, but he's not a starter in this scenario unless unless Mathis doesn't come or comes and is injured and then Ogofu is the next best edge guy. Then you have, um, I'm speaking with Ian Boyd, uh, XSO's expert of Inside Texas. Uh, we have a special right now at Inside Texas. It's uh, a special promotion. We've been talking about it uh, a lot lately, but it's uh, a really a great deal. And a lot of you guys have taken advantage of it and hopefully you're seeing the value in it. Uh, guys like Ian, myself, Paul Wadlington, uh, Eric Nalin, the publisher, Jerry Hamilton, Justin Wells, Joe Cook. Uh, we're all on there each and every day uh, trying to give uh, the value to the subscriber, but uh, four months for just $1 uh, of InsideTexas.com. Um, if you have those that group up front and you have um, Barron in, in the nickel role um, and Jamison and Ryan Watts, the newcomer from Ohio State at corner, is safety really the the one that everybody's kind of just jockeying for positions at, if that's the case? If, if Mathis does end up filling that role as, uh, you know, pass rusher? Yeah. Um, now, there is some question about Benda and Overshone, at least in my mind. Um, Benda has been well-reviewed. I honestly think Benda is a more natural inside linebacker than Overshone. I think Overshone's best position would have been back at safety. Uh, he has gotten bigger now, so maybe out at like a star nickel position, I think is a more natural fit for like a Isaiah Simmons or a Jeremiah Wosu Koromoa guy, like a Notre Dame guy. Um, it's linebacker, but you're in space. You know, you're not taking on blocks as much. You're not, you're not beating blocks, you're beating space. It's basically how that position works. And that's kind of what Overshone is best at, is, is beating space. Um, if you play him out there, um, then you can't, you're, you don't have a nickel corner. So Jameson's at corner um, and you need two good linebackers inside of him, which is maybe a little iffy with this depth chart. I, I have the sense that one of somebody in the Texas defensive backfield probably won't be maximized next year. Maybe it's overshown again. Maybe they play 
nickel with Jameson inside against some teams and they play overshone out there against others and move Jameson to corner. That could be effective. But anyway, I think uh, at safety, you're looking at uh, Thompson, Cook, and Coffee probably battling it out for two, for two jobs. Maybe they, all three of them are de facto starters because they play so much. I don't know. Gotcha. You also have Keaton Crawford back there now, B.J. Allen uh, starting to, to take snaps. Eric mentioned in the human Award today that Allen had an interception in practice uh, this week. Um, you know, Ian, I think that you and I have talked about this kind of stuff a lot. And I, I've also talked to some other folks. And, you know, do you think now that Texas has a year in this system, first of all, a year with these coaches. No coaches were changed on defense. There were a couple of changes on offense, but no coaches changed on defense this year. Do you think that that will have a positive effect on Texas or is it, you know, still hold on to your tail? We don't know what we got. I mean, I, I feel like even with the addition of a Gary Patterson, say to the staff, that uh, continuity should be helpful. And Texas didn't lose a lot on defense as it is. So they should ostensibly be better, but how much better? Yeah, I hypothetically, um, continuity should be the most important thing because the puzzle of the Texas defense right now is getting players that were recruited for like uh, three different systems at this point to fit into one coherent system. And it's not just that your players were recruited for three different systems, but that whoever guys may end up being some of your best athletes or best players may have been recruited to the wrong system for what you run now. I think often what you see with continuity in year two with a new staff is understanding the roster better. You know, year one, you're scrambling to install your schemes. You're scrambling to do install. You're scrambling to scout your new opponents. And I think what often slips through the cracks is figuring out how to optimize your roster so I think year two is typically where you would see a team like, okay, we know what we need. We know what the holes are. We've been chalkboarding possible solutions for a full year as a staff together. And uh, we know what the roadblocks are. We know what needs to happen. My only real is I think they should be able to make sizable gains because they have all these guys that have been working on this same problem with the same guys. My only really concern would just be the, if there's any, incongruity between the staff you know you have Blake Gideon maybe thinks one thing Terry Joseph another Kwiatkowski a third and then now you add Gary Patterson like a bomb in that room and then what does he how does that go sometimes that tension is awesome and it works really well and then sometimes that tension is not good and everybody's doing their own thing and not pulling together let me ask you this um outside of O'Shawn Mathis coming to Texas what is the what would be the single most encouraging thing you heard about Texas during spring practice from a defensive perspective? Hmm. That is a great question. Um, I think it would relate to coverage. I think it would be the not just the safeties, not just the corners, but safeties, linebackers, and corners all playing really effectively together. I don't, I don't know how we would 
what that would sound like from a practice report exactly, how, how it would get to us. Maybe we just see it in the spring game. We watch them and it's like, oh, these guys know how to trade off routes to each other and they know where to be. That would be the, that'd be the thing that I think really needs to happen and would be the most encouraging. I know run defense also, everybody wants to see them defend the run better. And it, it's basically the same kind of thing. Everybody playing on a string, everybody fits where they're supposed to fit. They do it quickly. Um, so yeah, general back-end cohesion, I would say. I, so whatever that, however that would come across. Yeah, it, I, I agree with you. I think that a cohesiveness is a good word. I mean, the best defenses, we saw Baylor play with it last year. We saw uh, Oklahoma State, uh, particularly I thought was very cohesive as a unit. Not yes. necessarily a bunch of studs on that defense, but a bunch of guys that played well as a unit uh, together. Um, and I think I, I, I agree with you. They still Texas still lacks pieces vis-a-vis um, -vis somebody like O'Shawn Mathis. But after that, I think they got to play better together. And that's where um, the comment I made earlier and, and asked you about is uh, having all of those coaches back, I think, can be a benefit uh, yeah. for the Longhorn roster. And hopefully they they I mean, they answer the bell. You know, I mean, you, you can't play football for them. Uh, they can't have, uh, you know, complete breakdowns like they had uh, a year ago, like against Kansas, frankly, uh, um, and some other, I think they, they really uh, got lost during the second half of the OU game, but OU can make people look lost. Kansas should never, at least shouldn't, make you look lost on defense. And, and at that point in the year, Texas had no confidence, in, and they did. Um, Ian, before we get going, do you have anything you want to add to the discussion today? I Well, in regards to having a congruent scheme and everyone working together, if we're seeing next year, I mean, they, they can have a hiccup early in the year. If Bryce Young throws for 400 on them, it's not time to panic. I think he's the best quarterback in the country. Um, I don't know why he's not QB1 on some of these draft boards, but whatever. Um but if we if they get through a Big 12 season, a big a Big 12 stretch, and they're still giving up third and long, they're not fitting the run, somebody's going to get fired. I don't know if it will be who everyone thinks should be fired, which is the top guy, Kwiatkowski. It might depend on, um, you know, is the problem that Kwiatkowski can't work with the staff that Sark assembled for him? Um, or does is Gary Patterson whispering in Sark's ear all year? give me four hires and I fix this for 2023. You know, I don't know. Those will be the, those will be the fun storylines to follow. Fun storylines to follow if they're bad next year. Right now it's, you know, all hands on deck. We need to get these guys playing together and hopefully they can. It should be, you've had this, it's like you said, you've had this year together. So. A 25 to 30% improvement should not be too much to ask year over year. Absolutely. In my opinion, uh, particularly with the pieces of the puzzle they have coming back. No, they're not, they're not all fully there yet, but they have enough coming back uh, that they should be able to get there. Uh, programming note, uh, Saturday afternoon, I, I expect to do a special uh, for on recruiting. Uh, Texas having at least two dozen recruits on campus. Uh, Joe Cook, uh, Eric Naline, Justin Wells, Jerry Hamilton, all going to be on call on Saturday as Longhorns uh, look to host a, a lot of talented guys on campus. 
Uh, Longhorns also have a, a spring a scrimmage on Saturday morning, uh, and uh, we should have a scrimmage report first on InsideTexas.com. If you're looking for late, up-to-the-minute recruiting news, InsideTexas.com is your source. Uh, for Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been you, this episode of On Texas Football.